it's a joy to to come again in, in front of you and, and talk about a topic that I think is that none of us are immune uh, from. And just in terms of time, we've got about 30 minutes or so, so we really don't have time to do a huge recap of last week. But what I do want to point out is that uh, this is really about a resource. So I'm trying to be faithful to an author um, that our that our church has widely are wisely made available for us all. So this is one of these very small pamphlets, but it's it's packed with biblical wisdom and it's packed with practical wisdom that we can apply to a, a, a pattern of sin, which each and every one of us experiences in our lives. And um, so as we uh, as we we go in, I, I want to just dive in back into to where we were last week. So again, for those who weren't here, I'm just going to briefly recap, briefly recap. This is really a discussion about sinful fear. Okay. Um, this is not about all fear. There's certainly a healthy fear. You can imagine what that healthy fear might look like, you know, fear of touching that hot stove, um, fear of, of, of running out in front of that, that moving vehicle, you know, fear of, of, of an angry man or angry woman, you know, who's armed in our face or something like that. Those are, those are things that we should healthfully and, and wisely fear. But so much of what fear is, is, is not that. And so much of that, that fear is actually denying, um, denying who God is and, and what his character is and how it speaks into the circumstances that we find ourselves in every day. So this isn't to say that for every fear that you have, you're a sinner. And this isn't to condemn each and every one of us. Look, we're already condemned. We are sinners. We, we're already those who desperately need the gospel. And we don't just need it once. We don't just need it at youth camp. And then we're done. We need it every single day. And so we're going to try to bring the gospel to bear. Today is going to be more the practical side of how do we put this thing to death. So we talked about the fear monster. Uh, we talked about characteristics of sinful fear. Um, I'm going to just finish with one illustration to try to, to try to tie a bow around that sinful fear as we sort of dial in on that. And then we seek ways to put that to death. Um, uh, please know I'm aware that apparently I left everybody hanging last week and uh, there's some question as to whether or not I survived the, uh, the crash. Um, as I reminded a few people after church on Sunday, you're welcome to come and, you know, touch my hands, um, put your hand on my side if, if that'll help you feel better. I am, I'm hungry, I want to fish, um, but I did survive, okay, and I say that only lightheartedly. Um, but we'll get there. There's actually a place for it in the, in the material today. But today we're going to focus mostly on the guidelines. But we, we finished up. I just I want us to kind of to consider a little bit of this, um, the, the relationship between sinful fear and selfishness, because that will help us start thinking about this in terms of uh, take up your, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him as we then identify a, a pattern of sin that we want to use the, the biblical model for, for changing behavior. So again, love is being more concerned, thinking other-oriented with what I can give than what I can get. So thinking about the correlation between sinful fear and selfishness. So this is one of those, there's, there's probably like some, I, I teach math in my home school. There's probably one of those properties of equality, all right? So if love is, is being more concerned with what others, what I can give than what I can get, selfishness is, of course, the opposite of that. It's being more concerned with what I can get than what I can give. And then fear is clinging and being more afraid of what I might lose versus what I can give. So again, fear and selfishness, sins of commission. I choose to either, I choose to either be other-oriented and give, and that, that be the focus. Selfishness, again, sins of commission. I, I, choose that, I choose selfishness. 
To my shame, I choose it too often. What I can get and what I can give. And then fear is really being more concerned about that. And, and, and that, that fear is misplaced fear that takes our eyes off the provision of a perfect God and a loving God and a caring God. Remember, that, that's that Father God that we talked about last time. And fear impacts ultimately the way that we relate to others. So we'll talk about um, being a people pleaser versus a man pleaser. You'll see on the slides in a minute. I, I, I had a little bit of editorial input for, for Mr. Priolo, who remember who spoke at our conference a couple years back. Um, you can substitute man fearer for man pleaser. And you can also uh, substitute God fearer for God pleaser. So think about those two things as two sides of a coin. So here's some examples. Selfish taking thoughts, remember sins of commission. A fearful person, I wonder what he'll think of me. The loving person says, I wonder what his needs are, other-oriented. So this is what the column on the, on the left is, thinking about fear, loving versus loving and giving thoughts. I better not let him get too close to me. That ugly person, that, that person who seems lost, maybe I can be a good influence on him, period. I've got to keep him from finding out about my problems. Got to put on my face and my mask, right? Fearful person. Man-fearing. Loving person. God-fearing. I wonder if he has any problems that I can help him solve God's way. And then that loving and giving thought, I'll probably make a fool of myself. If I make a fool of myself, so be it. I'm more concerned about meeting his needs than I am about uh, what he thinks of me. We can go too far with any of these. You know, again, if we're going to be a fool for anything, it's not because we're acting foolish. It's, it's because we're being a fool for Christ. That's the commended fool in this case, right? Um, I heard a, I, I was at a conference this, this week, and, and I heard a speaker who, you know, kind of opened up with one of those speaker, speaker opening lines, you know, be there, uh, be, be serious, okay, be brief, and be seated. But um, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm considered a fool for commending Christ, I can, I can live with that. That's the other-oriented fool that, that I'm okay with. So, so just keep those in mind as we, we, we're, again, we're trying to narrow in on sinful fear. And so the sinful fear is that, that one, again, on the left. So, so where do we go from here? Um, guidelines for conquering, crippling, and sinful, in this case, Fear. Again, these are Lou Priolo's words. Um, the book is the book is short. Let me let me just. I'm sorry. I wanted to say one more thing. So again, nailing down God pleaser versus people pleaser. So here's here's what Lou says. Um, he asks he asks us, and we should ask ourselves. Am I the question at the bottom? Am I more of a man pleaser, fear, or a God pleaser? A God-pleaser is more concerned about fulfilling his God-given responsibilities or meeting the needs of others than he is about the potential, the potential consequences of a particular action. He doesn't allow the thought of unpleasant consequences keep him, paralyze him from loving God and loving others the way a man-pleaser often does. Um, again, my, the conference I was at this weekend was with a group of people who take care of law students for a living all, for all over the country. Most of them secular. I mean, not, there was really almost no apparent Christian influence in that room. 
And so thinking about all the ways that, that we go wrong, I was, I was in my mind, I kept thinking as I'm hearing people talk about taking care of students, and I kept thinking, we're in the wrong column, folks. <laughs> we're in the wrong column. And uh, so I pray that we will be in the right column as we, uh, as we continue this conversation. So what do people need? They need to conquer their crippling sinful fear. For all the lies that the world tells us, that it's all about me, you know, radical personal autonomy, making my choice, defining myself, you would think that with as much hot air as we have heard on that topic in the past 10 years, that people would be feeling good about it. I mean, they'd be solid, confident, absolutely determined. But what I learned in this conference this week is like everybody's like, like they make an eggshell seem like a diamond in terms of like durability. Just everyone is so fragile. It's just they're one harsh word away from, from the whole thing crashing down. And that's not what we're called to be. We're called to be something different. But, but that's, we've got to be in that. We've got to be in the right column. So again, um, we, before we go too far, let's just dive in. And this is, this is uh, something that we hear about in this church. By God's grace, we hear about this all the time in this church. We hear about the biblical model for change. You know, I, again, I sat through a week of hearing people say, everybody is what they are until somebody tells them something differently, and they have to fight back to where they are, but they can change it tomorrow. I mean, it's just like this nonsensical loop. But the biblical model for change is like steady. It's unending. It's unwavering. And, I, you know, I would commend, if you're, if, you're, if you're committed to change, open your Bible to Colossians. Look at chapter 3. And I've just got uh, 8 through 10 here, but if you, if you read 1 through 14 or 15, you will just... Find a place to anchor yourself. And so whatever the, whatever the issue is, we've got you know, 20 of these books. They've all got a different topic. But there's a sinful topic that can apply to your life. So you fill in the blank. But the biblical model for change ultimately is to define sin in your life, find it, and then resolve to use God's antidote. Put it off, be renewed in your mind, and then put on the virtue. So think about, define it in the right column, or the left column, which was, again, put off that fear, and then the right column, put on. Okay, that loving, that, that love. So as we define that, we use God's words to define it. And that was, again, a place I just was, just again and again over the, over the weekend. It's like, man, so, or, or earlier this week, so... If we can call it, and you've heard Mark Hager say this, if we call it what God calls it, okay, we can get what God gives it. Put off, be renewed, put on. So that's the model of thinking as we're, as we're, we're moving forward. Um, Parello has, has more here than we can cover in the time that we have. I, um, so I, I, uh, I always look at that clock and I'm like, hey, it's good. I've, I've got plenty of time. <laughs> Somewhere, somewhere in the world, that clock is right. Um, so knowing that we don't have as much time as it says on that clock, I, I, the ones that, that I've highlighted in bold here are the ones we're just going to try to go, go through. But they're all, they're all addressed, and they're all well addressed here. Okay? So I, I want to leave, I, I leave you asking for just a little bit more. So the first place is to learn to obey the first and second great commandments. We'll talk about that. Um, take a spiritual tranquilizer. This is not, I, I'm not a pharmacist. I'm not um, prescribing medication here. Neither is Lou Preolo. Uh, we're talking about something better. 
and, and actually more effective and actually quicker in its effect. You'll, you'll understand what we mean in a moment. Um, this is huge. Meditate often on past occasions of God's faithfulness to you. You know, I'm reminded, and you'll, you'll see it here, that God's not, God, God's not like authentically faithful because he's been faithful to me. God's authentically faithful because he is. But it sure does help we forgetful men and women to, to, to meditate occasionally on those places where he is, he's been faithful. There's more on that on the list. Um, really trusting in the, omnip- on the, the omnipotence of God. Um, remember that whatever makes you afraid has no power independent of God. Um, you better have, if, if you want to overcome sinful fear and anxiety, if you want to overcome that, you, you ought to have a solid theology of God's providence. And when you, when you can rest in God's providence, you can rest. Great words that Priola is going to offer us to that end. And then contrast the faithfulness of God without your dearest and most faithful friend. Everybody has at least one in their life who would fall into that category. Remember, God is more. And then consider the connection between that fear and undisciplined thinking. And then we'll just wrap it up. But we're, our goal is going to be to learn because we're a forgetful people, but because we're also people who can be taught by the word to, to learn to fear God and, and learn to live in the fear of the Lord. And we'll, we'll wrap it up with this Deuteronomy passage. So first and second great commandments. We're familiar with this passage. Jesus is, Jesus is, is matching wits with someone who thinks he's got a fighting chance. Right? But one of the scribes came and heard him arguing, heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them all well, asked him, so what commandment is the foremost of all? You can change the tone of voice in however you want to ask that question, right? It could, it could sound sneering and sarcastic or it could sound sincere. I don't know um, which it is. But what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is hero Israel. It starts with the Shema. He starts remembering. And he, he calls everybody else to remember, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Right? Remember. Jesus has an opportunity here to fear man and come up with some, some whinging answer, but he doesn't. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So he asks him for one, and Jesus gives him the bonus plan. Gives him two. Love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. So um, if you find yourself experiencing this, this fear of man, Parello says it's a built-in alarm system to let you know. Like that, it's comforting. When I find myself fearing man, it's, a, it's an alarm system to let me know that I do not love God and others as the Bible says that I should. Now, I might not be able to figure it all out, but just knowing the alarm went off and just being alert to it is is a great opportunity that God gives. That I do not love God and others as the Bible says I should. And the key to solving this problem is to train yourself to focus more. Remember that outward, that love, what I must put on love, rather than what I must put off, fear and selfishness. Okay? So fear draws our attention to ourselves. Personal consequences. Wrong column. Love looks at others. So that's, that's Priolo's, I think, his key point there. This scriptural tank, tranquilizer. Um, and just um, read, the, read the blue words first. The word of God has tranquilizing power, as in tranquility. Okay, you know, we think of trans- tranquilizer in terms of something that puts us to sleep, but, but the idea is something that, that should calm us down. And what do we need most in a time of fear? Um, 
you know, I, I told the story of, of being concerned about an airplane crash. And let, let me assure you that fear and not being calm would not have helped at that point. Being steady, being focused, that's what helps. Can I do that all in myself, on, on my own, by my own strength? I later found out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep teasing this a little bit throughout. Not only were we praying on our aircraft, and there were a whole bunch of people in the back of our plane praying, but there was a chaplain on the ground, an Army chaplain, or an Air Force chaplain, who I, I later got to know, um, who was praying for us. He heard the plane come in, and, and, and he, he said, I just sat up in bed, and I knew that crew is in danger. And he actually threw his clothes on, ran out to the flight line, it's very small, special ops base, and he was praying in the, in the, in the middle of the, the fog, standing in the mud, and then he kneeled and he prayed. And he was on his face in the mud and he prayed. Um, it's not all about us. The word of God has tranquilizing power, as in tranquility. It's more effective and safer than any medication known to man. Prello says, when taken during times of fear and anxiety has even been known to begin working before other tranquilizers can be absorbed and distributed throughout the blood system. One of my tranquilizers, um, and I would encourage you, there's all kinds of apps for your phone that you can get. There's all kinds of Christian apps you can get for your phone. One of my favorites is this thing called Fighter Verses. Um, I've got 90, uh, more than 90 Fighter Verses that, that I can call on in, in the moment, in that temptation, in that time. Take it. Before you reach for that bottle of pills or booze or anything else, take it. It'll, it'll have a better effect and a more, more, more efficacious and more timely. So find your, find your fighter verses. Cling to those. We'll, we'll focus on that in just a minute. But scripture, those who love your law have great peace. And nothing causes them to stumble. Meditate on the word. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. And this, I think, uh, Prayla makes a great point, and, and the parenthetical is his on this last citation. When? At the time, I am afraid. Not later. I will put my trust in you. Some of us grew up showing VeggieTales videos to our kids. You guys remember that one. Some of you probably grew up watching those VeggieTales videos. I can't commend all of the great theological depths of, of VeggieTales. But I will say... When? At the time. I am afraid. I'm, you're probably hearing it in your head. Okay. Yep. It was Steve Green and it was VeggieTales because I remember it. I had to watch it all those times with those kids. All right. Psalm 56.3 though. But at the time. Take that in mind. Take that tranquilizer. All right. And now this is where I want us to, to dwell a little bit. Meditate often on past occasions of God's faithfulness to you in all of your past dangers. And distresses. Again, God is not more or less faithful because I can remember, but God is merciful in that he allows us, who are people of short memory, to have something that we plant. He's, meditate on those past occasions of God's faithfulness to you and all of your past dangers and distresses. Anticipate God's faithfulness being demonstrated in your present circumstances. Th these, are, these are just... Spurgeon's, I, I love, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what I've heard Spurgeon say that I don't love, but I love this one. Faith has a good memory. Faith has a good memory. And then ask yourself this question that the psalmist asked. And you, this, is, this is encouraging on at least two levels. God's not afraid to hear you ask your question. God's not angry with you for asking this question. 
The psalmist, the psalmist this is, it feels like a lament. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Have you ever felt that? Have you ever wondered that? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High, the Ancient of Days, the one who is never unchanging, the one who knew me before I was born. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on all your deeds. The Bible is filled with plenty of deeds for God. Plenty of deeds accomplished by God. Enough, right? But in his mercy, he gives us additional revelation. His, he, he brings it into our own life. Cameron and I used to you know, say, we, uh, you know, I love the song, here I, here I lay my Ebenezer, right? Um, and and I, I will say that part of my highlight reel is, is thinking about good Christian music and theologically solid, like the music we hear performed on stage that, we're, that we get to sing together congregationally every day um, or every Sunday. I will ponder all of your work, meditate on your deeds. But we, we talk about having a trail of Ebenezer's in our life. You know, think about what are your smooth stones? You know, why would the God who, who, had, who gave direct revelation to his people, the Israelites, why would he say, hey, before we cross the Jordan, I want you guys each, I want each tribe to pull a stone out and, and, and make a stack. Why would he do such a thing? I mean, this is, a, this is an, an, I think, an insight. He knows that we're forgetful people. And, and so, you know, remind yourself that even those who have the direct presence of God, like clearly in their tent or in, in their camp with them, that God still acknowledged that they're, that they're, they're, short, they're, they're, they're people of short memory. You know, they, they cross the Red Sea and, and you know, they get to the other side and, and the next thing you know, they're, they're forgetting God. They're actually devising another idol. When I hear that, it gives hope for a wretch like me who's also one of short memory. But just because I am of short memory doesn't mean I'm called to kind of live there. And so the place that I want to live instead is remember. We're exhorted, remember. And this I recall to my mind says in, in, the, in the author of Lamentations. Therefore, I have hope. I'm dwelling on God's past provision. For others, as I see it revealed in the Bible, in, in, for, in my own life. But past examples of divine deliverances today to prepare for times of fear. I think it's a today thing. Put that Ebenezer out. Write it down. Um, rehearse it in your mind. And I know that the Lord delivered my crew and my, my team and, and that's just a time. But I think of children, difficult childbirths, you know, almost losing a child, almost losing my wife. Terror in all of that. Moments of terror. But I can also look back and I can, I can also recall, here, here's an Ebenezer. I've got six of them. We've got six of them. Um, but the list is, is long, so cling to those. Okay, cling to those. Um, so, what is it that you fear? This is a time for that self-assessment. And the, the list, you know, would be endless. We're not going to go into all this, the scripture here, but God, God isn't silent. His word isn't silent. Whatever makes you afraid, this is a really huge reminder. I, I wanted to, uh, to just give you a couple of brief quotes from Priolo on this matter. Um, because this is comforting. 
whatever makes you afraid has no power independent of God and is therefore powerless to do anything without his permission. This is that, that resting and trusting in the providence of God. Some of those providences are hard. And in the moment, they're hard. But the character behind that God is, is, is the character that that Father God. Is it your enemies? Is it the authorities in your life? Is it a boss? Um, the troubles and afflictions of the moment. God's word is not silent on these things. Personal trials to sin, temptation, poverty, physical harm, loss of a loved one. It goes on and on. Um, a couple of notes on those providences. Uh, Priolo cites an earlier work on, on the same topic by an author by the name of John Flavel. And he says, Flavel put it this way, enemies like wild horses may prance and tramp up and down the world as though they would tread down all that were in their way, but the bridle of providence is in their mouth. Those wild horses that seem to be ruling the day, the bridle of providence is in their mouths and upon their proud necks and that bridle has a strong curve, a strong restraint. So there's not one thing that happens to you, not one thing that happens to your loved ones that's beyond the providence of God. And if it makes you wonder, if it makes you wonder about that God, just meditate on his character and be reminded. Just be reminded. And John, John uh, 19, we heard this recently in our class. So Pilate says to Jesus, look, you know, aren't you afraid of me is effectively what he's saying. Are you going to not answer my questions? Aren't you afraid of me? Don't you realize what I can do? And what are, we, what are we called to fear? Not those who can kill the body, but to those who can kill the body and then cast the, the soul into hell. And Jesus has no fear. Jesus says, let me tell you what's really going on here. You, you do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have the authority to release you? I have the authority to crucify you. And Jesus answered, you'd have no authority, Pilate, unless it has been given to you from above. Let those words echo. Let those words echo for us all. Think about God's faithfulness as you're wondering about that providence. Contrast the faithfulness of God with that of your dearest and most faithful friend. I said, every one of us has at least one. But think in a moment. Think about who that is. And then evaluate the extent to which you could trust them with your life or welfare were it totally in their hands. And you know that they would, they would go, they would, they, would, they would even offer the last full measure if need be. And then ask yourself, to what extent can I defend, depend on my friend? When I'm in need, prison, sickness, pain, distress, or danger, fill in the blank. Any of those things that I'm afraid of. My best friend would be there for me. My best friend. And then be reminded, the love, loyalty, resources, and wisdom of your dearest friend, compare those with your Heavenly Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And be comforted, dear saints. Be comforted, friends. Do you really believe that your most faithful friend is more worthy of trust than your loving, sorry for the typo there, than your loving Heavenly Father? And the answer is absolutely not. So meditate on these truths. Think about the best example that God's provided in your life and meditate on these truths. And then consider the, the, the connection. This is just as we, as we prepare to wrap up here for this, this piece. For God has not given us a, spe- a, a spirit of fear, but a, of power and love and of a sound and disciplined mind. 
So as we're thinking about the pattern for biblical change, about putting off, being renewed, putting on, that's where we have the opportunity to use a disciplined mind. It is by disciplining your thoughts in these ways. Take every thought captive to the word of God that you can and must conquer that monster called fear that inhabits your mind. This is a tough topic for, for us all, but it's so comforting to know that we're not alone, that our brothers and sisters in Christ, have, they've, tread the, they've, they've, they've trodden this ground before us. So here's the summary. Learn to live in the fear of the Lord. Learn to live in the fear of the Lord. So how does one learn? And, and I, I want to just highlight a few. Deuteronomy 31, you're welcome to, to, to open to the passage, but, but I've got it uh, here. When all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place which he will choose, you shall read this law. How do we learn to live? Well, we read. God, God is a, a God who, who gave us revelation. And in, in, his, in his kindness and his mercy, didn't, he didn't choose to relieve us of anything to be afraid of. He didn't choose to, 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 to relieve us of hard providences, but he did choose to reveal himself in his mind and his character through his words. So read this law in front of all Israel and in their hearing. Assemble the people, the men and the women and the children and the alien who is in your town so that they may hear and learn and fear the Lord your God. And then be careful to observe all the words. I want us to think about the place to deal with fear. It's in our own meditations on God's word, but it's also in the assembly of our brothers and sisters. We're not alone. When we read the word together, just realize that that's balm for every soul in the room. Every one of us is hearing that word together. We're meditating on it together. We're singing about it together. We're rehearsing truths to ourselves that we sometimes have to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Together, read it, assemble, hear, learn, and fear the Lord your God. And then, yeah, we have some work to do ourselves. As we put off, as we are renewed in our mind, and we put on, that's the observe part. That's the, the application part for us. You can learn. This is what I want you to know. This is, why, this is the truth I'm preaching to myself. You can learn to fear him more than you have learned to fear the impotent and imaginary fear monster that has tormented you for so long. And, and this isn't to make this all about works. It's just like, are you prepared to do this God's way? That's what I'm asking. And, and that's by God's grace. Do we pray as one another, as brothers and sisters, to do this God's way? I wish I had more time, but I'll tell you that, by God's grace, you have more time. Again, this, this, this small booklet, which is just dense, okay, dense, has the answers. So it doesn't matter how much your life has been paralyzed by fear. You can learn. Okay? David said, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. He made a decision to trust God. How about you? Have you ever made a deliberate decision to learn to live in the fear of the Lord? If not, why not make one right now before you put down this booklet or before you pick it up? Um, just want to encourage you to that, dear saints. Um, I, want, I'm, I am aware of the actual time, which means it's time for us to start heading towards the sanctuary. God bless you, and happy Father's Day to you fathers out there. Um, 
Happy, uh, wish a happy Father's Day to your fathers, those who have the, have the opportunity to do so. And remember, we all have a heavenly father who's better than the best with no qualities of the worst. And I, I rest in that truth every day, but especially on a day like today. All right, God bless you, friends. Thank you.